0: Thank you. Um, good afternoon. Thank you for coming along. My name is Lorreen Vaughan. I'm uh, one of the co-curators of the Stony Rises project. Um, I, it's a body of work or a project that really emerged out of a what-if conversation between initially Harriet Edquist and myself when we were thinking about the different ways in which different disciplines can come together and particularly craft orientated disciplines, can come together to create notions of place or regionality. And we were talking about, about, um, I think, some observations I had made from travel about the connections between Cornwall and the Western District in the way in which the landscape looked. And for myself, uh, it was an incredible sense of home when I got to Cornwall because I was born in the Western District and I felt like the two landscapes were somehow connected and one of the things that connected it was the volcanic terrain but in particular the dry stone walls and that that was something quite unique and struck a chord with me. And so Harriet and I started exploring the idea of what would it be like to do a project that would actually enable us to bring together different disciplines around that site and that the site or that region could be the way that we could think about bigger issues, but we could also delve into it quite quickly. So we then uh, invited Lisa Byrne to come on to the team um, as another curator. Um, Myself, I come from a visual arts and design and communications background. Harriet comes from architecture and Lisa is an art curator. And so we felt that that mix too would enable us to have the richness that we were hoping for. So we went off to the Western District, scouting, looking, thinking about what it could be. Um, So in some way, and started forming our team, which was interesting because it was about our different perspectives and how we could come together around the region and the place. So we then started to identify key spots that we thought were important or devices and then worked out a methodology for the exhibition, which was to initially invited about 20 artists but, um to participate um lisa will explain a on this component, I'm sure, but we thought, and then we went through a selection. We took proposals and then we selected down. We then decided that we didn't want it to be a group show where we just did a, a theme and then people came along and put stuff in. So instead we thought a community needed to emerge because that's one of the things that's really striking about the Western District is this historic community and the different people who have made it and the different cultures that have led to it. So we then took the the group of participants away on camp. So again, we went off into the Western District, taking people back to the places that we had visited to and started to give them exposure to different ways of looking at the region beyond the initial spectacle. Um, Some of us knew the region well, some people had never been there before. We went to all sorts of locations and we took a geologist along with us just to help you know give us some science um, and to explain the land that we were standing on and what it really meant what we were really looking at from a science perspective or a, from a geological perspective and because we hoped that by doing that although we 'd already had proposals that we could then kind of build on that but also the community aspect because it 's the conversations that went on in the cars and the buses over dinner. And after the event, which then leads to the works that we're looking at here um, in the gallery space, and so I think that that's a really important part to my mind about the um, Stony Rises project, is that it was a project. It's more than an exhibition. It's a book and an exhibition. It's a website. It's a community. It's a, a it's a whole lot of other outputs that each of the artists. Or designers involved have taken off into other projects that have spun off from this one. And it's the, this particular group of people coming together and then working with local community people too to think about that. And I think that that's one of the things that the project is very interesting in. That it's a catalyst as well. It's, it's an investigation and it's a catalyst for other work. And I hope that when people engage with the work here and they engage with the book, that they will have the chance to think about the places that mean things to them as well. So I might leave my piece here and hand over to Harriet Edquist next. Or to Lisa Byrne next. <laughs> Passing on. This is very good example of how we
1: work. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm Lisa Byrne uh, for the podcast component. Um, just to elaborate on what Laureen has said a little bit, as a curator I was I'm also interested in some of my research for my PhD, uh about fostering collaborative projects within a university environment. So working with architecture, working with uh, geology departments, working with science departments and so, and art departments and looking at the ways that research can create new knowledge across those disciplines and within those disciplines. So for me this uh, project was a great opportunity and I was delighted to be asked to try and um, work with Loreen and Harriet to think about how we might work with this place. And one thing I'd like to add to what Loreen was saying about where the project started was there was also the, a personal connection which is often a very good catalyst for things in um, design and art world, I think. Lorraine had grown up for, as part of her early life in Croyd, but also Harriet had connections as well um, with her family at Leslie Manor for uh, some years. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And so they had that initial connection with the place, which we then sort of uh, evolved. And I think that was really important because we had that connection with community in the first instance was through Harriet and Lorraine. And I, unfortunately, come from New South Wales, so I was completely new to the Western District and the significance of the Western District. And I must say I um, read some fantastic material, and I'll recommend Margaret Kittle to anyone who hasn't read her book about the Western District, because it was a terrific way to get into... The significance really is quite... And the relationship with Tasmania in the early days and the importance of agriculture and food. And the project really evolved from that for me because I got this terrific sense of... Everything that had gone on there from the, the horrendous massacres with Indigenous um, communities there to the present day Indigenous people working at Lake Condor and amazing things that have been going on there with eel farming and um, starting again out there. They've got a terrific weir. I can't recommend that. The sheet wash that we visited is apparently going to be opened to the public for tours. They had one in at the beginning of this month and they're restoring it through Heritage Victoria. So... I learnt about all these amazing things that happened in the Western District as a curator, which we then tried to put together in the show through the artist camp, as Lorraine said. And it was difficult, I have to say, for all of us to come to the final four days. We could have put on probably a two-week camp and still not have got everything in we wanted to. But we, I think, we covered enough for the group of um, artists and designers to feel. Uh, enveloped by and to revisit to make their works over the next 12 months Um, I should say the project's been going for two and a half years, literally to the day from when we started so um, it does take time to do a project like this and I think part of the reason we feel it's so successful was that that time for development and thinking for the um, artists and designers to revisit and then for the dialogues between the participants in the show to start because I know there was a lot of um, connection between those, between the people that we visited so there's been a lot of community involvement which has been terrific. Um, I won't really go blow by blow through each of the works because each of the artists is actually talking for the next five weeks. Uh, Laureen and Ginny were last Thursday and then the rest will continue on Thursday, so please come along um, and hear them speak at 12.30 on Thursdays. Is that right? Terrific. Um, I think that's about all I'll say for now.
2: right, over to Harriet.
3: Thanks. I'm Harriet Edquist Um, and... I guess I came from to this project, as Laureen said, it was a conversation between Laureen and I and this is, we work together in the Design Research Institute at RMIT and we tend to work this way, we, I'll say something and Laureen will say something and suddenly there's a project and then we work on it and it's it's a great way of working and then bringing Lisa in and and I was commenting to Laureen the other day about, we probably did, I do remember at Dunkeld once having dinner we wrote some notes down on a piece of paper but it was a very, the, the project was a very organically grown project in a way and we never really said you do this, you do this, you do this. It was that sense of we knew where each person was situated in their discipline and what they were interested in and it just, it was just a very, to my mind, a very um, joyous way of working. I've never enjoyed a project so much as this one. We travelled backwards and forwards a lot, and in the car, those conversations, taking photos—that was terrific. And, and in fact, meeting people like Sue Cole, which I did with Seth Keynes. We came and Seth interviewed you, and those sorts of 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 um, parts of the project to me were terrific. Now, I'm an architectural historian and a design historian, and I'd. I did have personal connections with, with the district, because my daughter's grandmother had a property there for some time. Um, but I also came at it from a historian's point of view, and I'd written about the landscape. I'd written about the landscape of conflict, um, of the, um, the European and Indigenous conflicts that happened, and I'd also been collecting sort of manically for a long time information on the homesteads, and I'd lectured to students on homestead history and I had this sort of data database I'm wondering what on earth am I going to do with this? And anyway, my moment came with this, <laughs> with, with the exhibition and the book. And, and what we decided to do was that the, we'd put a publication out with the exhibition that would be more than the exhibition catalogue. It is an exhibition catalogue, but we also gathered together a number of essays written by some of us but also we commissioned some so that there is a a sort of a layered, it's a very, what we wanted to do is have a range of different voices speaking about the district um, from a range of different methodologies so we have artists but we also have the geologist Bernie Joyce, we also have Ruth Pullen's fabulous essay on Von Gerard's drawings and Ruth is curating the big retrospective on Von Gerard at the National Gallery next year. Um, and then I was given my chance to publish my homesteads, which was great for me. Um, and this, so for me, the, the exploration was getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the, the district, and that allowed me as an academic then to give papers and um, at the Garden History Conference, for example, and at other conferences about what I'd found, one of which I called Lava Flow, because just going backwards and forwards, you realise that the lava flow has determined so much of the life of that landscape. So that was really what what, um, I think I probably contributed and and took away from it. And I'm still working in, I'm I'm not going to leave it alone. I'm still going to work my way through the the history of settlement and um, the history of the the landscape. I might leave it there. And perhaps...
2: Can we have some questions from people? Do we have any questions? No. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm
0: sitting. laughs>
2: um, I, I will throw the first question then to any of the curators. That um, I guess um, one would be. Um, what I mean, we've talked about um, the, u- the unique landscape, but and I guess sort of immigration and settler Australians and whatever. But um, one of the things would be um, what what does resonate so strongly with everyone, um, with audiences? Do you think about this landscape um,
1: and the art that's produced from it? I think the volcanic, Sorry. Mm-hmm. I think the volcanic is probably where it all stems from. And it, and it just filters from there in, a, in an amazing network, sort of, lab, or a labyrinth. Um, mm. And the earth, while I was installing the show for the last two weeks, just about every second person honestly came in the gallery and left saying, there's such a sense of the earth in the show, which is quite amazing, I think. Mm. I mean, it is about place, but just the, the earth comment um, was the word that everyone used that came to the gallery initially. Um, which is, yeah, it is for quite interesting, I thought. And then it goes from there. Then it involves people and events and, his- and history, past, present and future. Um, so I think that's probably what a lot of artists... Be- and then in different ways. Leslie's picked it up through atmosphere and clouds. So there's less about the earth there. So the, the earth is just barely present in the horizon line, just there. And often the Western District is talked about in terms of the land and the volcano, as we're saying, the volcano. So that was interesting, I think. And then we've got Jenny who takes the earth to a whole different... And she's got topography sort of present. And then the re- revisiting what's taken place on the earth and how to reuse those quarries as new homesteads, in inverted commas, I think she puts it, Um So I thought that was a very nice connection um, between the past and the present, and and the place of the and the earth again. So, and then Ginny's obviously is a deep map concept where um, she's had um, people collect things from two places, and then there's sort of a comparison between. Oratanga in South Australia in the Flinders Ranges, I think I've said that correctly mm-hmm. and um, the Western District um, and then you've got the two digital works who look at landscaping in different ways the reference to Von Gerard on in one instance but also then the, the sort of uh, undulation and the mirroring of the landscape around Camperdown of Kit Wise's work, so that would be my response initially
0: I think I'd just add to that. It's quite interesting because of the different artists' connections because we have people who still live in the Western District. We have people who grew up and were born in the Western District. We have uh, one artist who's actually from England, but like me, when she went to the Western District, she had the reverse sensation of home. And probably the only person who participated in the project, besides Lisa, who had no connection to the district in any way before that was Kit, and Kitwise was overwhelmed by the landscape forms, and that's what's really evident in this split landscape digital piece that he's done. That he's um, that you get those two components, but his was the most innocent or first time view, without any other kinds of associations in the group. So, I think that's one of the reasons why. A lot of artists have come from the Western District too. It's the combination of the soil is such that it's very good for making things. It's a very rich soil. Um, And so ceramics and things have come from that region as well. But the landscape and this undulating topography that captures your eye and a very usually unfriendly weather, which... um, adds to the drama of the landscape. When we were there on one of the days of the artist camp, um, we the day we built a dry stone wall as a group, uh, we then climbed up the top of Mount Nuret, didn't we? And walked the cone. And the whole landscape was a sea of rainbows. And it was just magical because all of a sudden it was dra- dramatic and bright. But there were full la- um, uh, rainbows going across the landscape And then it started to look like, you know, some of the mythological paintings with, you know, with volcanic forms. And so I think that that's why it's one minute it's, you're being, it's horizontal rain and the next minute it's sun and that's kind of the, it's dramatic, yet it's not necessarily harsh. And I think that's inviting as well.
3: And I I suppose I'd, I'd um, agree with all of that and I'd bring a, a, another, element, which is the cultural element, and I think why people probably feel at home there is, is because it's culturally embedded in, in us, There's that that landscape's been painted, whether it's in Europe or in Australia, for 100, 200 years. I mean, if you go back to Von Gerard and then where he was trained... I think we have an image of a certain sort of landscape in our mind which we can translate quite easily to the Western District. But also, as you mentioned with the dry stone walls, they're, they're ubiquitous human formations of human habitation right across the world. And as soon as you see them, you feel you're in some familiar place. So I'd say it's, it's, it's a landscape that allows us to feel at home because it is so culturally... Um, it's culturally specific but culturally generic at the same time. It just responds to a whole lot of other landscapes that we're aware of around the world. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but that could be part of it, I think. It's not so specific that you're feeling cut out, but it allows you to, to belong to it in all these ways.
1: Yeah, it's like the open plain. is a yeah. You can project straight onto that open plain, which is all-encompassing when you're in the district, and then the mountains just beautifully roll out of it, or the craters, after yes. Every time I drive through that, you always know where you are. You where you are mm. By you think, well, where's Mount Elephant? Oh, there it's there. So I'm here, and that's a, an amazing marker. And funnily enough, it's a, that thing of spotting the mountains and recognising them t- as a guide to where you are. The Aborigines must have done that for millions of years, and so you sort of feel, oh look, yes, I bet you they use these m- in the same way. All that flatness, and then suddenly these little. Bumps going up that, that are also individual
0: is this exhibition attracting a new audience in the regional galleries it
1: hasn 't it hasn't toured yet, so we won 't know um, this is the first venue, but it will be touring over the next two years, um, and hopefully we'll gain a few venues but it 's going to Horsham going to Warrnambool next then to Ballarat um, and possibly um, Riddick possibly if they reopen and, and we're hoping maybe Hamilton might take it so hopefully we'll get some feedback about that I would th- you would think that it possibly would get um, a broader audience um, because of the diversity of work the disciplines within the show and the subject matter um, the book certainly I think reflects that with having an anthropologist as well um, with Heather Bills oh, yes, yes. Um, and another cultural theorist, Ross Gibson, writing in it as well. He talks about the pulse, pulse which has been picked up a lot, the pulsation through the Western District and the flows backwards and forward. Um, yeah. And I'd just like to say, remark about the Indigenous. I was certainly struck by the fact that there must have been a lot of Indigenous activity going on that, that settlers were watching in the western district i think because there was so there was that from heather's research they were living in settled communities around lake conda uh, able to store food all sorts of amazing things that we seemed not to have known about not sure why um, but this idea that people moved around a lot seems uh, indigenous communities moving around sort of ro- ro- arose in heather's research it was very interesting mm. um i think she's that's
0: right. For yeah, exactly. Reason. That's right. Yes. I was just going to say about Mount Elephant. Sorry. They always said that the swagmen, in within that area, kept Mount Elephant within view. They'd go nearly to Ballarat, where you can see it still, but they'd always come back to that sort of point. I guess
2: one uh, another question I'd like to ask the curators is um, uh, a lot of um, students um, in Year 11 and 12 are actually looking at um, the idea of curating in their um, studies. And uh, I guess one of the things that's interesting is um, how you tell a story um, as a curator of a place, what you leave out. <laughs> there must be so much there, how you make those choices. Um Telling a story, because uh, putting together any exhibition, I guess, is is leading uh, people through a story of a place. And
3: we had a couple of, I mean, one of the, there was telling the story, but we were also, because of where academics and where we're placed in the university, we wanted it to be, as Lorraine said, um, a, a collaboration between a range of different disciplines, which so sort of ramped it up into another place really so it's not only artists, it's designers so Ginny Lee is a landscape architect Jenny Lowe is an architect as and we have artists as well so it was it's, um, it's sort of quite interesting from that point of view so I think we would have left think, people out if they, we didn't want ten artists, we wanted other sorts of people so that controlled who we, we um, you know who we ended up with it to, to a degree uh, and yeah well I, won't
1: go no. I think a, a key part of it is having an idea for a curator the curator has the idea but then you have to be able to let that idea go with the people that you work with and have the faith in the people that you're working with to um, expand that idea and take it into new places that you couldn't and then be able to inter- interpret and then work with the artists and designers in the dialogue about what's produced out of it and i think that's the key probably is that this exhibition isn't art fine art in a strict sense it's an exhibition of a work around a project and i think that does open up the audience as you um were asking um in a different way it's creative practice yeah um and uh, as a curator, I'm very interested in work that's about ideas rather than a sort of, um, more modernist idea of art, which is sort of, bit, you know, less engaged with directly with ideas and about form and formalism and those sorts of things. I, I like it anchored hard in an idea. So as a curator. And I think for audiences, that's interesting as well. It helps us negotiate our society too, I think.
0: Um, I think, two things out of the audience, I think, too, that Gail Tierney, who actually has um, launched the exhibition and the book for us, who is the member for the Western District, she was really very taken by the complexity, like the diversity, and when she was, she commented that when she had read the book, that she felt she had a real sense of the place, and um, that those multiple perspectives, and I think that the book actually provided the the provides the components that can't be represented in the artworks and there were two other artists who were selected who um, for different reasons didn't go ahead um, so people kind of self selected out I think the one thing we, that was not included as a domain that Harriet and I had hoped for from the very beginning first conversation was to have some ceramicists we had hoped to have yeah and we really wanted to be able to have that and um, and that just, we weren't able to find anywhere. And the process was that we did have about 20 that we invited, 20 artists. About 50. about 50 that we... We went from 50 invitations to 20 submissions, and then we actually used a bl- an academic technique of blind peer review on the submissions, so we didn't know who the artists were, I don't think. And um, it was just the proposal and their past work and what they thought they would do in response to the Western District that we then had a panel pull out the 12 that we actually went with. Yeah, there was a person who's not not us. There was one other, and um, even though I'm one of the artists as well, I wasn't a part of that part of the process. Um, So we wanted to try and integrate in the curatorial process some academic notion and aspects of rigour and um, to not be driven by names. It happens that a number of the artists involved in this project are RMIT faculty, Or PhD students or graduates, but that was never that never drove it. It was always about the the work itself and the ideas, and then the potential for the ideas. And so I think that that's um, in that curatorial thing, but it's a little bit like improvisation. You've got to you've got to put it up and then let it go. And the camp we always knew we would never know what came out of that. Mm -hmm. Would you have done it differently if you thought you could have got a ceramicist? If we could have got a ceramicist, we would have included them because it would have been really nice to have someone who's very um, object-driven in a a traditional craft sense. We have a number of objects in the works and they're involved in the exhibition, but ceramic works would have been a different dimension again and it was just something that didn't happen and uh, that would be the one thing I'd change. But it didn't happen and I'm not unhappy, so...
1: Being able
2: to see more is probably my only regret the artist camp. We had four days and we, we would, um... Sorry, could you, Lisa, the artist camp, I was actually just going to ask about that too because <laughs> we've just got a little bit more time and I think everyone here would be quite interested in hearing about what happened on those four days okay. and how you rained, rained all that together as curators or you constructed, orchestrated it. Sure. We did, oh, sure.
1: sorry, okay. we had three or four visits over the first 18 months um, uh, to the district where we would drive and um, run around like crazy trying to see as much as we could, make contact with as many people as we could to put together the itinerary. And then... uh, That's right. And a key part of that would have to be Josie Black... Um, who was giving us expert advice along the way um, and steering us because we didn't have a lot of time. Even though four visits does sound a lot, it wasn't actually a lot of time when we were thinking of the geographic region and everything we wanted to fit in. Um, So Josie was very kind and um, spent days with us over those times. Um, And then we came back and we nutted out the final itinerary, which we could fit into four days, which unfortunately is horrendously, I have to say, driven by budget. We had a budget. We had to stick to it. Four days is what we could do. Um, And we did a lot in those four days. The first day we drove down, we went to Red Rock. We had Bernie... um, Bernie Joyce, thank you, I was about to say the... World Bank the, the the bank fellow uh Bernie Joyce sorry Bernie um, talk about geology pretty much for the first day and we visited lava caves at Mount Paundon we were a red rock uh and then he gave a lecture that evening after dinner and that was the other a nice thing during the camp Harriet gave a lecture the second night about arch- uh, architectural history and the homesteads um, on that day we uh, gosh sorry it was 18 month- uh, a bit over 12 months ago. We started at Mount Sugarloaf in the morning. I remember looking at the cone and the mountain because it was the one of the, the, mud the mud lakes, that's right. And we went out to Lake Karangulak border with Lake... No, Took Karangulak, Nāput. Thank you very much. Up it, um, and looked at the brown landscape that exists there now because they're both dry. Well one is completely dry, I think there's a tiny bit in the other. Got water in them now. Oh they do? Them. Ah wow. Well, oh they know. might have water. Okay. So only a little bit of water, yes. Yeah. And we had and we were on the road that um, drives between them and seeing how the road is slowly being covered over by the dust, it's amazing. From the lake. Uh, from and then th- we did the walling? And then we went and did walling after lunch that day, yes. And we did some um, Wall reparation at uh, Josie Black and Neil Black's property with Alastair Tune, which was terrific, in the rain. So it was a good afternoon that day. I was very proud of the team, all their, their hats and coats, and they stuck it out. I thought they might, be a, they might all bail at one point, but no, it was good. <laughs> they stayed through the rain. Uh, then Harriet spoke that evening, and then the third day we went out to Lake Condor uh, with uh, Lindsay Saunders and the Budgerbeam tour. And went right out into the lake and did all the eels and the the eel fishing, uh, smoking trees, all the interesting things out there. Um, Had lunch on the lake, got a flat tyre and drove home.
3: No, 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 we went to Tower Hill and went to Warrnambool for dinner. Oh, sorry. Sorry, no, we went to to Tower Hill and we went to Warrnambool for dinner. That's right. And we probably should say for the um, Camperdown people here that we stayed at the Mill in Camperdown. Yes. Which was our that was our centre, that's where we stayed because it co- could accommodate all of us and then on the fourth day was was we went
1: we visited the to Parambit,
3: so we visited the lakes and then we had morning tea at Parambit they put on a fantastic morning tea I will tell you that um, and we went to Bull and Mary. Was that that day? Didn't it? the in uh, the morning? I think we went up there. Oh, okay. uh, anyway, we d- yes, we did go there at some point. We've forgotten. It'll be in my diary somewhere. All the things, we but there, that's the range of things we did. So, and we visited Wuridjul. And room. we visited Wuridjul as well. So we did,
2: yeah. Oh, I'd like to um, thank. Oh, is it a question? I'd like to thank um, our curators and uh, please join me in thanking them and for this wonderful
0: talk. Thank you. <laughs>